everyone, and welcome back to HOA It's a True Story. Today, we're meeting with Nathan Watson, the general manager of Blue Seal. Nathan is speaking with us today on hiring managers through colleges and using their curriculum to develop more people into the HOA industry. Great topic, Nathan. We're so pleased to have you on the show joining us and welcome to HOA It's a True Story. Thank you very much for having me. Also joining us today, we have a full house with Bill Mann, president of the GB Group, and Kelly Thiel, owner of DC Group. Good to be back and have us all together again. I know. Finally, we got a whole group again. Nathan, first, let's talk about your background, your company, your current position, how you got into all of this. For me, you know, hospitality has always been a thing for me. And uh, so I did hotels for about 20 years. Started off in the Navy long time ago, hospitality specialist, just kind of a thing I love. Did school and got to a point in the hotel business where I had children, needed to kind of get some some stability in my life. So I thought segue into the HOA world would be would be fun and less of a hassle. And you know, although it helped me have a little bit more time with my kids, it was far from, you know, a cakewalk. So <laughs> but I've been doing it for the last 11 years and, and I love it. I'm very passionate about the industry. I'm always amazed at how many people come into our industry through hospitality. Yeah. And I guess that's a natural marriage of positions. But, you know, lately hiring has been an incredible challenge for every industry. Let's wow. talk a little bit about your ideas of recruiting at the college level and how you envision that. Absolutely. Yeah. So over the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's every university, but I think it's quite a bit. They have this thing called Handshake and Handshake is is like a LinkedIn, but it's specifically for college students and recruiters. So I'd say a couple of years back, the people that I've made contact with at the University of North Texas here in Denton provided me with a login and the ability to create job listings and stuff like that with the, with their students. It also is for alumni, anybody that's associated with the university. And for us, you know, you don't have to pay for it. It's not something that you subscribe to in that sense. Next door for college kids. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> that's yeah. And, you know, and, and I recently recruited two people from University of North Texas for open positions here. And they basically endorsed it in, in probably, you know, the, the best fashion. They basically said, I I would not use anything other than Handshake. And so for me, this revelation of this particular recruiting tool has really kind of changed things for me because Harwood International, who is the parent company for Harwood Lifestyle Management, who I work for, they're having a really hard time bringing in talent and just the normal means of, you know, Indeed and some of those other search engines that you'd use. And for me, it was as easy as logging in, creating a job posting, and literally five days later, I had a pool of people that were very talented. So for me, hospitality, University are, of Texas. Are you only there. pulling out of hospitality? Is that the main frame that you're looking for when you're looking at their resumes? Or are you looking in other departments? Definitely other departments. I mean, my, my major is hospitality management with a minor in business. So I attended both business and hospitality schools. And so when I'm looking... I'm thinking hospitality because it's worked, but Handshake is for all of the students. And so recently I had two open positions uh, for concierge roles and I brought in two people that had no association with hospitality. One is a, 
a law student or pre-law and so she just graduated with uh, criminal well, that may be really good for HOA <laughs> yeah criminal law <laughs> and then uh, we had another person that graduated with a, a degree in linguistics and so she speaks like five languages and all these different things which obviously from a high-rise perspective translates very well because we have people from all over the world speak multiple languages so that's that's been a very successful thing for me but I have I have not had much success when it comes to the normal means of recruiting when it when you're looking at high rise and in, in, in hospitality you know when you think about using indeed or doing kind of the normal way of it recruiting or the or the more traditional routes for recruiting talk to me about why you like recruiting at the college level or you know recent college graduates or soon to be college graduates i think that one you have an open mind and somebody that could be molded to do the, the the task or the discipline in, in a good way sometimes and i'm not knocking on anybody that's been in the the property management side of things but sometimes you get into that mold of this is how it's always been done and this is how we always need to do it when you have students come in you know it's a blank slate you're teaching them all your best practices but they have a very fresh way of looking at things i like college students that have graduated or college students that are about to graduate because it's one of those things where when they do graduate, they have the ability to move up and they have the ability, ability to be developed in a, in a way that I think is good for the industry. And then you can teach them all the things that you learn the hard way and that they don't have to learn the hard way and, and, and they're better off for it. So, but yeah, uh, college level is to me is, is important. And, you know, I guess the challenge here is there really is not a set of curriculum that specifically identifies property management as a thing like there's business there is business law there's hospitality there is you know all these different things that you can learn like even real estate but there's nothing specifically about association management and how to how to manage you know these complex organizations i think that's you know back i ran a management company back in the 80s so it was the birth of you know, computers and things like that. And the only way we could recruit back then was via an ad in the newspaper. So I started recruiting through the local colleges for managers for many of the reasons you just said. They're moldable, they're trainable. They also came with computer skills, which a lot of the current job workforce didn't have, which was quite nice. But I, one of the things that was always attractive to them was and you just brought it up. There's so many different aspects, particularly to HOA management you know, accounting expert, construction expert, legal expert, you know, there's real estate or whatever it is. I said, by the time you get done, you'll stay for five years and you'll probably go on and do something else. But the first five years, I said, you're going to learn a lot of different things and may find a passion in there as well. I have a question for you, Nathan, about the handshake app sure. you were utilizing. Uh, you said that they gave you access to it with a password and all that. Is that something anybody can or only companies that have a alumni? Is it with all universities? So, so how would someone go about getting into that app and tying into a university? Yeah, you definitely want to get into the administrative office of the school that you're targeting. And, you know, for us or for me, like I've stayed in so I'm a, a, an alumni of University of North Texas, graduated in you know, 2008, but I've always stayed connected. I go and I do speaking engagements with classrooms for like uh, beginning hospitality students or people that are about to graduate. And so I've been able to really get good relationships built to the administrative side of, of the college. And they gave me access 
because I had asked to be on a job posting for the university for the students. And so when they had this particular tool provided or something that, that maybe they had adopted a few years back, they gave me access to that and basically gave me access to the University of North Texas. But when you look at it, I think it's like every major university has the ability to do the same thing. You just have to know somebody on the administrative side of that school. I attempted, now they, they were doing job fairs sure. for a long time, right? And I attempted to get into some job fairs and they wanted us to pay pretty substantial amounts of money to do it. Yes. And, and I mean, substantial amounts and they wanted you to guarantee it for five years. And, you know, we're talking quite a bit of money to do something like that to recruit. So, I mean, obviously the university you worked with didn't do anything like that, but I'd be curious to see if getting involved in handshake requires funding from a participant wanting to you know, solicit. I mean, even a small amount is not a big deal, but when sure. they're $50,000 to participate, that's a big deal. That's a big change. Well, absolutely. You know, again, in my experience, I have not paid one penny for my use of the, the tool itself. If it's a major organization like CAI being like this major representation for property managers over the country, would they charge CAI to do that? If CAI has access to these tools over a broad scale, possibly, I don't know that. Right, right. Well, I'm going to kind of dial a different direction here for a minute. Bill and I did a podcast about a year ago with a small local college that was trying to get some curriculum into their school. These things, though, to get curriculum takes a lot of time, sure. takes experts. You got to find teachers that are qualified. How long do you think this kind of process would take before we see results at that end of it? Kelly, you might even have a better idea of being involved with CAI at a more national level. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Nathan and I met each other a few months ago and had an interesting conversation at the annual conference. And in my opinion, I think we need to have some more direction. I think Nathan and I, you know, he's sort of, he's told a story about how he got involved with University of North Texas being an alumni. And I think we've got a lot of people out there trying to work in their local markets with colleges at an individual level, but where we don't necessarily have a framework for what's successful. Nathan figured out sort of what to do hey. based on trial and error and how oh, to great. get around that way. But it would be good if he had a, a one sheet, like contact this person in this office or any school you want to work with, and they'll help you get routed to the right direction. I know that colleges are so very unique, but at the end of the day, I think some of the structure is probably the same. And so I would like to see us as an industry get a little more specific for those who want to start engaging with the educational providers in their market at, in the way that Nathan has to give them some guidelines on how to successfully do that. Because I think we'd see more people working to get these programs going if right. we had some more guidelines. I know that you see Irvine tried doing a HOA manager course a few years back and it was not successful and they stopped it. But I think they're trying to redo that again through CACM or one of the other organizations trying to get an appropriate educational base put together. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, Kelly, is it didn't get set up in a way that people are not going to go looking through the curriculum and go, oh, I want to be a manager, a property right. manager or a community manager. They always get recruited. And to Nathan's point, 
they get recruited under any kind of experience yeah. they have the right personality charisma skill sets that can transfer over but i think at some point we have to look at the college level becoming the baseline jumping off point to get people recruited into the industry at the beginning of their college education so that they're fast tracking a little bit more into that experience and not having to rely on Nathan to teach them how to, you know, get over those hurdles quickly and maybe even work with something like, what is it? The M100 course through CAI. So those kinds of things, but I think they need some really solid curriculum as a base to get this going. And I think it could even go in at the junior college level. I don't even think it has to be university. I think we can kind of trade school it in, if you will. I think from the conversation we had in May, many of the people who have done this have done it at the junior college level, and they've been most successful at getting the M100 translated into a one semester class. What are some of the courses that you've participated in or worked with UNT on? So as of right now, it's really been based on recruiting and it hasn't really been based on curriculum. And so about a year and a half ago, probably like halfway through COVID, it's probably right before the big push of COVID, I did a speaking engagement over there, but I had some contact with one of the the deans of the hospitality school. And they had kind of integrated some business aspects to the the major and to hospitality, bachelor of science degree. So there's a whole bunch of different coursework that goes into this degree. And it's not all like, you know, helping people on the brighter side of service and all that, you know, so there's some very technical things that these students have to learn. And so we had talked about doing like one class and this particular class would allow somebody like me or somebody else that would teach a class and would you know, be able to talk about real estate, would be able to talk about how, you know, how you manage properties and, you know, but it would be something that's all inclusive, real estate and association management. And so, but for a lot of, a lot of people at the college level, they don't know about the industry as a whole and how broad it is and, you know, all the money that goes into it. And, you know, we need educated people helping us manage these associations. And it's really hard to find. And the people that don't know about it go on to other careers. And so, you know, trying to tell somebody what our industry is all about and trying to talk them into this being a great opportunity and career, it's been really hard because of that. I think you really need to include budget and finance in that. Of course. Right. There's, there's a whole financial aspect that really, so I agree with you. There needs some comprehensive training and it would be great to see them kind of get all of that. I don't know. Kelly, that I think one semester is enough for training, but I think it's a really good introduction. And then to Nathan's point, kind of develop a few other aspects into the program so that, you know, at the end of their junior college level, it'd be two years. Then you could have a pretty good, well-rounded, entry-level experience. Yeah. I mean, one whole course could be, or one semester could be the financial aspect of how you lose an association. And then there's, I mean, if you look at the M, M100 and it has nine different, you know, courses that you take and then you test out on all these, you really could create, you know, definitely a, a, an associate's degree out of it. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's one you can definitely, you know, get a bachelor's degree and then you add different things that may not be, you know, in the, the M100 that maybe it's service oriented or there's different 
applications that you can add to that curriculum. But yeah, definitely finance. I think there's a legal aspect. So like business law is a class that may be a requirement, you know, different things of, of that nature. You know, we're going through some stuff right now. So there's like construction defect and things like that. So getting like an understanding of construction and, and different elements to go into what we do, it's so complex that it's really hard to even think of all the things that we do at one time. So, <laughs> right. you know, like the, supply, that's for sure. yeah, the association that I live in, I'm the treasurer and it's a 4,600 home community. And we're having to fight through with Encore trying to expand power grids and things like that. And so we're learning, you know, legislative stuff that you may not even think about from a board side of things. But then I've also learned that legislative stuff and how it impacts the association I manage. And so it's like, it's just really cool. And I love it. And you get to kind of put your hat in a bunch of different things. And so trying to translate that into somebody and talking them into our industry, <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge, but I, I think it, I'm up for it anyways. Well, you also brought up the point that once you even get into this, there's a lot of learning that goes on. Absolutely. Uh, you know, whether it's all of a sudden you're dealing with the Coastal Commission or the EPA and right. you're learning all about sewer laterals and lead paint <laughs> and <laughs> things you really didn't have any idea you'd be exactly. an expert in. So I, I really would love to see the industry do more to heighten the awareness of the industry because now it's probably maybe somebody coming out of college, their mom and dad might live in an HOA and that's probably the only introduction right. they have to it or they know somebody randomly through it. But every time we start a podcast, we ask people, how did you get into this? And I would say 99.999% <laughs> they say, well, it was by accident, right? You know, right. Somebody recruited them. I think we need to improve the way we present the HOA and market it as a whole so that it can attract more recruits. And I think that's something that has to be done at the national level and at the state level. Because if you go to a state like Nevada that has Las Vegas being their main, main city, and then you have Reno, this Reno Sparks area, you know, they, they have two big universities they can get in with, they can work with, and it's a lot more of an open door policy because of the state being the way it is they can kind of partner up very easily. California being as large as it is with this larger population, it's harder for us to get those doors opened on our own as an individual company trying to recruit some new college level people. I really am excited to hear about Handshake to see if there's a way to kind of develop something through that. And I really think we need to keep going back to CAI, CACM, and some of the ECHO, the, the educational association groups, and really kind of creating some kind of marketing program or developing program that will attract more people into the management aspect. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, through the M100 and, you know, getting the CMCA and, and, and all the credentials that you get, and I'm working on the PCAM right now, the learning material is college worthy, in my opinion. And I think that you might have to make a few tweaks here and there, but I think that most of the, the work has been done and it's just trying to tweak the coursework that's already been created into a college curriculum that would be accepted by the universities or the junior college. Have you tried working with any other schools, junior college level or? So I went to North Lake, which is uh, in Irving, Texas, and I went to West Valley in, in uh, Saratoga. But I have not reached out to those. I mean, my relationship with UNT is pretty strong. And so that's why I've 
done that, gone that route. And for me, it's, you know, totally grassroots at this point. And it seems like there's a bunch of us that are doing grassroots stuff, but we just don't know. We, there's no network. There's, there's no kind of like combined voice to get us where we, where we're trying to go. And I think everybody wants the same thing. It's just, there's really nothing that links us together at this point. The uh, junior college that we worked with, Bill, Bill and I talked to for the podcast we did, they pretty much go through their community class program mm-hmm. as opposed to in-house curriculum to get things started. I think that's a great grassroots level is to just kind of make it a community college class of like, instead of a cooking class, you could go learn about, you know, community management. Right. And so they started that way and that's how they're trying to get interest in it. But then, you know, I mean, if you're going to choose to go to salsa dancing or community management, (laughs) it might be a hard sell sometimes. So that's, I I think we kind of have to work with our association groups to deal with more attractive marketing for it. Nathan, if you were to lay out to other individuals or to other groups, how to go about doing this, you know, what you've learned through your trial and error, if they're interested in also recruiting or trying to work with universities in their area, what would be your tips or suggestions? First, you need to have somebody at the university that knows what you're trying to do. And and even if it's under the guise of just plain old recruiting at first, and then after a while, and again, it's all about relationship building and what I've learned anyways. And so once they understand who you are, what you're about, and then what benefits you provide to their students, I think it, it all has to come down to, do you provide a benefit to their students? And if you do, then they will help you. And these are people that are tasked to mold the minds of the youth and all that. And, you know, when you have an organization that's taken an active role and to try to provide those opportunities to these students, they receive it really well. And, and I will say that being alum of a school does matter in a way because they know that you are vested for that university to help people succeed. And so I would say that having alum represent the organization is important. It's not required, but it'll certainly get your foot in the door with some of the people that are hard to get in touch with. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I've drawn parallels with hospitality and I really do think that what we do from a high-rise perspective is very hospitality-driven. And same thing with like single-family communities, master plan communities, things like that. I think everything is hospitality-related. There are different you know, aspects from different associations that might, might apply differently. But when you're trying to look at you know, different things, I think it's really important to identify, well, what does it fall into? Is it real estate? Is it hospitality? Is it a combination of both? Because in order to get into a, a university and get curriculum, you, you're going to have to figure out what college does it even belong to? What school does it belong to? And so, you know, I think that from a university that's talking to a person that's trying to provide exposure to our industry, it's really difficult because you're talking to people that are educated, PhDs, and, you know, the idea of curriculum and, and creating this new thing is, is not foreign to them, but it certainly is a challenge. And so... If you were to have national backing from like a CAI or, or an organization like that, that has this curriculum that's built in, whether it's just for certifications or whatever, I think that's really the starting point. We did talk about adding a class to the hospitality group that to talk about real estate and property management and things like that, but it's more of like a, it was thought of more of, of like an elective class versus like 
standing curriculum, something that, that students could choose to do as opposed to like beverage survey class that would be required. And so hospitality students learn how to taste alcohol and, and different things like that. Well, this could be one of those things where they would, hey, I have an interest in real estate. And I do believe that real estate is part of hospitality because, you know, X, Y, and Z, uh, and they can learn this particular thing over a four month period. But to, you know, everybody's point on this call, it, it's just so much more broader than one semester. And, you know, how do you get that built in? Maybe it's one foot at a time and you get one thing in one class started and it grows from there. And I do know that the professor that started the hospitality school at University of North Texas, you know, was a PhD from Oklahoma State, got his degree from Cornell. And he's the one that started hospitality school at the University, University of North Texas. So I know that it's po definitely possible to get this built into a school, use it as kind of like a, uh, a standard, and then go from there. So whether it's University of North Texas, University of Houston, you know, University of California, you know, Berkeley, like who knows? There's so many different paths, but I think you need to get into at least one school, prove that it works, and then use that as a template moving forward. That would be my, my approach. That's a good idea. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA. It's a true story. Do you have a story you can share with us? I guess uh, the question to you would be, uh, what's appropriate to share? <laughs> Whatever you'd <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots of stories. And I, I could tell you that every single law enforcement agency has visited a building that I've managed, anywhere from the Drug Enforcement Agency, FBI, Postal Police, local police. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. So um, I guess the story I could tell is that I was managing a building one day that, that had a partial garage collapse. That was a very interesting undertaking. But, you know, the one thing that, that you know is that anything that, that happens that's bad or involves a lot of hard work, it's a learning experience and something that maybe not everybody gets to go through. So I took that as that. This is a huge learning experience. And so for like four or five months, all I did was try to get that garage built back. You know, you learn about, you know, live loads and, you know, different types of things when it comes to structural stability of a, of a parking garage. And so I could say that I've learned a lot. Uh, insurance, something we haven't really talked about on this call, but, you know, property managers become insurance experts at some point and how to deal with different things and how the law applies and stuff like that. So yeah, this this was a a very big part of my development as a uh, high rise manager, and uh, something I'll never forget. But you know, being from California, and heck, I was there during 1989 earthquake, watching the World Series with my parents. My favorite team beat the Giants, of course, the A's. It was remnant of a earthquake aftermath, and seeing these you know structures pancaked on top of each other. And seeing the raw emotion of people and people crying and, you know, you're trying to maintain your composure and it's, you know, having an effect on you as well. But, you know, you get through it and, and you do calls, you make sure that everybody's is fine. And, and, you know, with the blessing of, of God himself, nobody was hurt. Nobody was killed. You know, you have insurance for a reason. Everything was built back. They made it through. And so, uh, yeah, definitely one of those things you'll never forget. Well, those are becoming more and more preventable with some yes. inflation that we're passing and, and being aware of. And so hopefully we won't have to see too many more of that. Not at all. Are you seeing some legislation in Texas that 
goes some of the building inspection stuff we've seen in California? Uh, yeah, there's definitely changes as to the requirement of frequency that you're supposed to be getting reserve studies, reserve study updates. I think they changed it. So it, it's closing the gap on how often you're supposed to do it. So your reviews are more like one to two years versus like three, like two to three or you know, two to four years. And then I believe that your full on uh, reserve studies, I think are like every five years that we've had, and they're starting to close the gaps on those. So, I mean, some of it makes sense to me. Some of it doesn't definitely for older buildings, but uh, I think once everything happened in Florida with the, uh, the building collapse out there, it's, it's really kind of exposed that side of building age and, and, and making sure that you're actually doing the work you're supposed to do as you know, reflective of that reserve study. I think there's a lot of people look over it and then you got certain boards that come on that don't want to take the responsibility. It's a lot of money and, you know, special assessments. It's like the word or the phrase that nobody wants to hear or talk about, but sometimes they're necessary for a reason. And uh, I think this this particular exposure has, has brought some light to that. One more thing HOA managers need to know. They <laughs> exactly. should know coming out of that. Uh, absolutely. Ideas, so. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Nathan. Really good information and takeaways and some options and opportunity for maybe some of the companies looking to recruit. So thank you for that. My if anyone has any questions, they can reach out to us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com. We're happy to pass along those questions to Nathan. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.